Welcome to the podcast at the Hill, and happy Mother's Day. You are about to hear a message from Shay Blaylock entitled, Together Around the Table. Good morning, and happy Mother's Day to you. You get me today, and not Daniel. I'm not sure why he's so good at this. Um, but I do have something that um, I feel the Lord laid on my heart. Last year, I, uh, we hit a really busy season, and we were struggling to just, you know, get time at home. You know what it's like. Things go on at night, and the kids start at school. We start soccer, and um, we just fit, hit this season of busyness, and I felt like I was fighting to implement, you know, just getting everybody around the table for a meal. Um, so much easier to just run through McDonald's or do what we've got to do. Um, but just, and I, I know it's important. My mom taught me it was important. Um, but just getting it done was a challenge. And so I read a few articles and I heard a fr- my friend named Tim Stair um, preach. And I did started doing a little bit of research and I, I actually inboxed him and I said, thank you for the reminder that this is worth the fight. If it's a good meal or if it's PB&J or whatever it is, it's worth the fight. And there's some spiritual principles attached to us eating at the dinner table together. And so that's what I want to share with you today. That is what is on my heart. So would you bow your heads with me as we begin? And um, would you pray? Pray for me. And I want to pray for you. Lord, we thank you for this day. And Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I don't uh, take the, the opportunity to stand here lightly to share. And Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would touch me um, and help give me clarity, Lord, today. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would touch the hearts of the people that, that I love so dearly. And I pray that you would speak to them today, Lord, and um, that together we will be better for those outside these walls. And Lord, that we will be a better example um, to our families, to the community around us, so that we can be a reflection of you today. That's what our heart desires. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, what if I had, I asked my kids this the other night, if, if I had an opportunity for you to do one thing that would make you happier, just one thing, that would make you happier, healthier, richer, and make better grades, would you want to do it? And, of course, you know, my kids are like, yeah, yeah. And um, that one thing is eating at the dinner table. Now, I had one child say back to me, have you seen my math grade? And we eat at the table. <laughs> um, so I don't know. But research says that this is true. And that one thing is eating at the family dinner table together. I hope today that through our time together that you are reminded of the importance of the family dinner table and its value in your life. I hope today, if you do not share a family dinner table time together, that you will maybe allow this to be the beginning of that. Um, Or if you've just gotten like us, it gets busy and things happen, that summer will begin to be a relaunch of that for your family, and we can slow down and re-implement that with some intentionality that's a word, um, and to your house and with and that table having a purpose. If you're single, that you will make every effort, effort to implement this into your future marriage. Maybe even having guests at your own table. Uh, Jesus was a bachelor, and he set a pretty good example of eating with others and making time at the table. Um, single moms, I know it's hard. It's hard when, um, I know it's hard when Daniel's not around, it's, it seems not really worth it to get everybody to the table, make everybody do right. I'm here to tell you, but God has given you what it takes for you to raise these babies all by yourself. And God is going to anoint you and bless you for that. And he's given you those gifts. It may not seem worth it, 
but it is. Um, carving out time to eat around the extended family table is special. You know, sometimes um, we would come home and just want the night to ourselves. And my mother-in-law would call and want us to come over for dinner. And we would go. And, you know, those memories, and you know I get emotional, those memories are so special. And um, so carve out that time. Um, Mother-in-laws and moms, invite your families over. Carve that time out, and we've got to reciprocate and take that offer. Some of my favorite memories of my whole life were at my grandmother's table. Um, We would gather in the dining room, everyone together, and we would linger. We didn't just get up and leave. But we would get in, get in there and linger, and we prayed together, we sang together, we cried and prayed. And my grandmother would testify, when I was a teenager, I would feel conviction over some things I was doing. They didn't know, but just listening to them talk, you know, would bring that conviction. Um, I learned about marriage at that table, and so it's so important. The hardest thing about them selling the house was walking away from the dining room, because I could hear all that laughter and all that going on in that room. Um, our generation loves to reclaim things, you know. Um, you go in these stores now and everything's been reclaimed. So I hope today that we can reclaim something from the old path, and that is our family dinner table. Um, there was a season in our country's history that removed front porches. Y'all know, you drive around Mobile and you can tell what the old part of town is because there's front porches on the houses. And then you get to the newer parts of town and we don't have a front porch anymore. And so things shifted and things changed. And I heard not long ago, some contractors may disagree, but one of the things that I heard was that families are taking the spaces for dining areas and they're putting that square footage in other areas in their houses because we don't need the family dinner table anymore. Um, It's a tragedy, in my opinion. Um, The average American eats about 20% of meals in the car. 40% of people eat alone in a day. Most people eat one time or less with their family for the week. One time or less. Do the math. Seven days a week, three meals in a day. That's 21 school teachers sticking out. And we eat one or less together as a family. That's, that's not okay. Like, where, you know, where did we go wrong? When did this happen to us as a society? My friend Tim Stair said, everything that looks like progress is not progress. Some stuff that carries the label of progress is really regression, not progression. The young adults have been doing a study in their Sunday school classes on technology and, and their ki- and kids and using phones and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, we get our phones. We got our TVs back in the day, and we thought this was great. You know, if you get the TV, you've, now it's the bigger ones and the better ones. And all of this stuff is supposed to be progress. But we've lost a lot of stuff with our progress. You know, and if we're not careful, we can lose with things in the church that are labeled progress. And we take 10 steps back trying to be, to gain progress. The same thing is true in our houses. We, we get progress, but what are we losing in spite of that? So I want us to get some boundaries in place today around some of this stuff. Jeremiah six sixteen says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Robert Frost says, you know it, two roads diverge in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. The one less traveled by today. I want my family to take the road 
less traveled by. Not the popular road, but the road less traveled by. There are five benefits, and then we're going to dive into scripture, of eating at the table today. I think they're going to throw them up for you. Stronger relationships. We actually have to talk to each other, right? If you're at the table together, you have to make eye contact, and you have to talk. And those are some things our society is losing. And so the table builds that into our households. Better health. If you eat at home, you naturally make better food choices, and so we have better health. Um, Studies have showed better grades. Reading scores when children increase when they eat at the table with their families. It doesn't... There are studies that say reading to your child improves their reading. But eating at the table increases children's reading scores. There's something that correlates with those two things in a family. Greater happiness, um, teen depression and suicide is on the increase in our society. And children and teenagers express feeling isolation and depression. And studies have showed that families who eat together at the table, there's a sense of security that is built into those homes. And so those teenagers feel less depressed, less isolated, like there is a safe place for them. Um, Another one is to spend less money. You know, it costs about double for us to eat out as it does for us to eat at home. Uh, Daniel and I spent some time tracking that one time and we were like, whoo, at the end of it, you know, because you don't realize what you're spending when you're eating out. So I have a challenge for you today, this week. Some of you will take me up on it. I want us to choose to try to eat three meals this week, at least three meals. Some of you will eat more. Some of you are already doing this regularly. Eat three meals this week at the table with your family. Not the McDonald's table, not the local Mexican restaurant table, but your table. You may have to clean it off and get rid of some stuff, but get in front of it and let's eat three meals this week at the table. Sometimes what we have to do is we have to get up a little bit earlier and we have to eat breakfast together. We eat bre- I cook breakfast every morning, but um, we don't all sometimes sit down trying to get there on time. But if we look at the week and we say, we're not gonna get this time together, then we get up earlier and we all sit down in the morning together and we do that before we leave. So three meals this week at the table. One thing that I want you to do is give thanks at every meal, not only at those three meals, but at every meal. Now, you don't have to stand up in your local restaurant and, you know, go into some grand prayer, but just a whisper thanks and be thankful for what is in front of you. Um, And after this, we're going to put our phones away, but I want you to take a picture this week, a selfie, you know, have to be, um, have to keep up with with what what we're doing in our society. So we're going to take a selfie at the table this week, and I want you to post it. Um, And we have provided with you a a hashtag here, the heel table. And I want you to post it, and I may give you a gift card for somebody who has eaten at the table uh, this week, okay? So um, I want you to do that, and then you put your phones away because all of this good benefits that are listed up here, it has been proven that cell phones, TVs, devices undo all of those benefits. So all of the things, I mean, think about it. You know, your teenagers feel isolated, depressed, all of this stuff is going on around them, and we're at the table with our Instagram and our Facebook, the very thing that has been created to make us feel isolated and down and comparing ourselves to each other. So during this meal, we're going to put all of that away, and none of that, cut your TVs off, 
and um, just enjoy each other. I provided you with a little something today to get you started. Well, um, I, this is something we do at our house. I've got some cards, and you can Google this, download these, or you can order them. But it's just a question, and my kids love them. And they'll pull them out and get started, and we have to actually just make them quit. But it's questions that it provides you, and it just gets you talking. So maybe you have um, you know, a man leading your house that isn't just a huge leader in that area, and um, it just gets everyone talking. It's natural. And um, just questions that we've ran across that we would have never shared with our kids probably if it hadn't have been for this. The spoon is just a treat to go along with the discussion today. It's, you can use, it's multi-purpose. You can cook with it. You can spank with it. Someone in the bathroom said you could stick it. I don't know who you were because I was using the restroom, but you, it said you could stick it in the hot grease and it would sizzle. And that's how you would know your hot grease was, was um, hot. So I learned something today in the restroom. Um, this, is, this is not just good advice. It's scriptural. And I want to read to you today from Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, in 7 through 19 says, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks. And we'll stop right there. First thing we're going to do is we're going to make our table intentional. Verse 8 says, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Verse 15 says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You know, every meal doesn't have to be a fancy meal. Um, Sunday afternoon meals were my favorite growing up. Every, you know, all the kids came home with us from church, and the teenagers, and we would eat, and we would. But before we could swim, before we could ride four-wheelers, before we could, you know, ride the horses, before we could do anything, we had to eat, and we had to sit there together, and we had to um, eat that meal. And Sunday's meal was always the most prepared. You know, my mom was always cooking, but Sundays just always seemed to be a little bit more special, um, the Sunday lunches. And so, um, but every meal doesn't have to be that, and it's not that at my house, I assure you. So I brought something with me today that is very special. <laughs> This bag of biscuits. So last month, uh, January, we went to Atlanta for a conference, and uh, my mother-in-law kept our three kids. And so when I left, um, now she cooks. If you've seen Daniel's Facebook post, everyone knows these biscuits are huge and beautiful, and they're really good. And she cooks them every single morning, and she's really good at it. And when we go there, she cooks them. When she comes to my house, she cooks them. It's just one of our favorite treats. But this time, she kept all the kids by herself. 
And so they were there for about a week while we went for a conference. And when I left, I left the list. You know, this one has to be picked up at 3. This one has to be picked up at 4.30. This one has to be picked up at 5.30. This one has to be this practice by 6. This one has a test on Wednesday. Please make sure this gets done. You know, and her little instructions were just almost mind-blowing when, when you don't do it every single day, you know. And so we come back, and um, I opened the freezer and in my freezer was this bag of biscuits that I did not buy. <laughs> and I was like, I stood there, I didn't say anything. I took a picture. And so I got to our room, and I, I mentioned to Daniel. So I got up the next morning, and, I, and she was in the kitchen, and she had cooked biscuits because we were home. And um, she said, you know, I just decided that I would get some biscuits because you know, she started talking about the week and how it had been. And I was like, if anybody's house can drive you to pop a can, it is my house. And so now I don't feel so bad about not making biscuits. And I'm saving that. <laughs> it's not against her, but it was a reminder to me that the dinner table and the time around the table was more important to her than all of that hassle. She wanted to pray for them before they left for school. She wanted to bless them before they left for school. She encourages them when they're struggling. You know, yours did it too. When their math grades are low, she builds them up. And so for her, the morning was more about that than getting the meal perfect. And so she spoke to me and didn't even know it. So um, she was, her value was in, in them being together. Uh, it needs to be part of the rhythm of our life. You know, in the Old Testament, God gave the Hebrew people his law. And woven in the seven annual feast, it was a law that they had to eat together. Um, and if we don't plan it, it won't happen. And God had built that time in for them. Number two is make the table restful. It's a place to slow down. Jesus even slowed down. Verse 14 says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. Some weeks I think, you know, our to-dos list is so long and and our phones are constantly going off, and there's something going on with the kids, and just a lot to get done. But, you know, Jesus that day had a bigger to-do list than any of us, right? His to-do list was to save the world. That's a pretty big to-do list. But he stopped and shared a meal with those and taught some lessons and loved on them. If we're too busy, we're just too busy. You know, you can take just a few minutes and slow down with your family and put your phone away and put your iPod uh, devices away, your work things away, and what's 20 minutes of investing in the people that you love, if, 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 even if your kids are gone and it's just the two of you, just 20 minutes of spending some time with the person who is in front of you, not the people who are not. You know, we spend the time with the people who are not in front of us, and, um, and we forget sometimes about the people who are right there with their flesh on right in front of us, not on the other side of the screen. Um, Tim said, the dinner table isn't an interruption. It's an invitation to what God wants to give us. And he wants to give us rest. It's almost like the Sabbath principle. And if we don't take advantage of the places that God has built Sabbath into our life, we're the ones missing out. We're the ones suffering on that. Another principle is make the table thankful. We make it reliable. We make it restful. And we make it thankful. There are two times that we are to be thankful and one is when we are satisfied. Verse 19 says, he took bread and he gave thanks. One of the places we learn to be thankful for the small things is at the table. 
It teaches us to be thankful for what we have instead of complaining about what we don't have. You know, the things that we're talking about this morning that are in our hands or on our screens are constantly telling us what we don't have, what we need more of, what would make us happy if we had it. And so when we kick those things out, we're reminded by the simple and frilt meal in front of us and stopping to give thanks of the good things that God has given us and where he has brought us from. If we sit down and we give thanks for what we have, even if it's not what we want. The first few years of our marriage, um, I don't know what was going on, but I just couldn't get the sausage right, and I think I burn it every time. And um, Daniel would, he would say, all right, the burnt offerings are ready. And we, we would sit down, and he, but he was so sweet. He would just, we would say the blessing, and we would eat. I've got it now. But the burnt offerings were, were killing us there for a little while. Um, every time we bow our heads, we are reminded of every good thing that is a gift from our God. Every time we bow our heads and we say thank you for what is in front of us, we're reminded for all the good gifts that God has given us. Deuteronomy 8 says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land with wheat and barley, vine and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. You know, gratitude isn't just a table issue. It's just a manners. It's one of the basic, it's one of the basic things we teach our children. It's a heart issue for us to be thankful. If we're not thankful, there's something in our heart that's wrong, not something wrong with what's been given to us. Sometimes it's harder to be grateful when things are going well. God has brought us so far and things are good and we can depend on ourselves as a source. But God is our source today and we're to be thankful for what he has given us. Just the very breath that allows us to work, the very body that gets us there, we're to be thankful for when things are going well. The basic, most basic form of gratitude is just to say thanks. It's one of the first things that we teach our children. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. We sang it this morning. Your praise will ever be on my lips. He's given us a lot. He's been faithful to us, and his praise will ever be on our lips. Not only are we to be thankful when we're satisfied, but when we are dissatisfied. Have you ever been dissatisfied? Let's look at this one figuratively in our lives. Sometimes in our lives we get smaller portion sizes than we think we deserve. Somehow God has not given us what we feel we deserve. We feel we can be grateful when we, you fill in the blank, we can be grateful when this happens. I'll be grateful when I get this. I'll be grateful when, if I lived in the bigger house or if I had this or that or if my when I get married, we'll be grateful when. We've all met people who have less than others and are happier than some who have more. Um, we struggle with this sometimes at our house. You, 
well, I have one who can't seem to be thankful for what is on the plate because if we go out to eat, everyone has ordered different things. So for the longest, we only ordered four meals because we could, she could just taste everyone's. And so um, now I'm like, okay, come on. So I'll fix plates. And if I think there's something that someone doesn't like, I just won't put it on their plate. But that doesn't go over very well because we can only see what is on someone else's plate. And you and I are like that sometimes. We can only see what someone else has, not what we have, and we forget to be thankful. How many times has God given us a job that we prayed for, but we complain? How many times has God given us the husband that we prayed for, but we complain? How many times did you ask God for your children that we prayed for and we complain? You know, one night, we spent the first three years not sleeping at all um, of parenting when we had our first. And um, there was a season in our life that we really thought we wouldn't be able to have children. And so God blessed us and, and, and gave us Sean. And, um, but he didn't sleep for three years three whole years. There wasn't one night that he slept all night. Not one. Not at all. And then somehow we decided to do it again. And so we had another. And our boss literally pulled us into his office when we were teaching school because we were planting a church. And um, he pulled us in and he said, I'm just worried about y'all. Are y'all okay? We're like, yeah, we're fine. We're exhausted all the time. And um, we went to Jackson one night. Daniel's mom had kept the kids, and she was going to let us go out on a date and get a good night's sleep. And so we were going to do that, and we heard, I think it's John Tesh. I don't know if it's in Alabama, but it's a great radio program in Mississippi that comes on late at night. He's real funny, and, and also just a lot of um, research and stuff that he shares. And um, somehow he got talking about being thankful and grateful and all of this. And we got so convicted. And we were like, you know, we're complaining. We were tired, so it's justified, I guess. But we were complaining about the very thing that we had prayed and asked God for our children. I mean, you know, we were tired, exhausted. So we were, and not only did Sean, I don't know if he's in here, bless him. I don't know if he didn't sleep, but he was into everything. So it was, I was just, if you're not going to let me sleep, can you just, just calm down, just sit still a little while. I mean, you know, and so it was all the time. And so, um, but we, we, we did that night was a mark for us in our whole, for the rest of our lives. I can honestly say that the Lord convicted us about complaining for things that we asked for. We asked for this. Did we need sleep? Yes, but we weren't going to complain anymore about the blessings that God has put on us. When he puts it on your plate, we should say the blessing. No matter what it is, no matter what the circumstances are, when he puts it on our plate, we should be thankful. God has given us blessings we have failed to say thank you for, and we're already telling him what else we want. Have you noticed the Good Friday sales? We need to stop asking for a moment and look around at all we have to be thankful for. Your praise, O oh Lord, will ever be on our lips. We're not going to be a, pa a people that doesn't have gratitude. We say thank you for what we see, and we say thank you for what we can't see. And sometimes we have to say thank you for what we have yet to see. Sometimes my kids sit down and they'll roll out their lips because it's not their favorite. And, but we say thank you for what we have yet to taste, for what we have yet to eat. Some of you look around today and you see no indication of a good thing in your life. You're saying, how can I say the blessing today? With this cancer diagnosis, with this divorce, with the loss of this child, with this financial struggle, 
this struggle of my aging parent. You know what, today, we may not can feel like we have, can say the blessing, but we can trust the cook. Could it be the reason sometimes God stirs things up is it leads us to prayer, it leads us to church. Um, sometimes we've, we get so comfortable with our satisfaction that we forget to be thankful. And sometimes, I'm not saying God causes all those things, but sometimes they're allowed into our life through the filter of his fingers and it causes us to run back to him in thankfulness and gratitude and to pour our hearts out in him. We live in a fallen world and we're gonna face trouble. Joseph had a coat no one had, and they hated him because of it. Later, he ended up in a place of authority, and he said, what you meant for evil, God, turned it around and used it for good. God sent it into the kitchen of Joseph's life, and he cooked it up and turned it into something good. Sometimes we trust the cook, but sometimes we just enjoy the company. We sang it this morning. Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Today, you may need to give thanks because you just know who's with you. You know, you look on the plate and what you see, you really don't want to eat. But the only thing you can give thanks for today may just be that God is with you. And God is there, and he is with you. Psalm 23, 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We know the cook today. He feeds us in spite of our enemies, in spite of our troubles. He is cooking up more grace today, and he says, Just come. Come to the table. Get here. We have enough history with him today to know that even though there may be a bitter ingredient in our life, the meal is going to turn out for our good. Sandra Johnson said when she lost her daughter, right as we were moving to Mobile, that there wasn't a week that she came to church that she didn't get fed and that the meal wasn't for her. You know, what if we skip the meal? Sometimes the tragedy in our life drives us away from the table. When my kids act up, we, we may have to discipline, but you still come to the table. You still come and you eat. I'm still going to feed you. Um, and God is there. Sometimes the tragedy in our life causes us to run from the table that God is preparing for us. And like Sandra, we can say, if we come to the table, we've been fed. He's going to give us the food we need, the fuel that we need to get through the crisis and the circumstances that we're facing my friend said, the negative doesn't negate the presence of your God, of our God. When we eat at the table, there's not just five of my fat family, there's six. There's another person at the table today. Sometimes the real blessing isn't what's on our plate, but who is at the table with us. Last, I want us to make our table spiritual. You know, in your house, around your table, um, you, there's some things we can do. You can pray together. You can share devotions together. You can sing. Our favorite time sometimes is Christmas. Christmas allows for a natural thing to happen at the dinner table when you're talking about Christmas. And so sometimes my kids will want to go to the piano and we'll just sing Christmas carols. And sometimes I wish that could just last all year. Um, we use these and we do these things together. Uh, after the temple fell in 70 A.D., how are the Jewish people going to pass on their faith and their values and their identity? The table became their altar. 
Their home became the center of worship. Their home became the center of discipleship. Our table is a great place to disciple our families. Pastor Austin and Pastor Seth get our kids three hours a week. Um, if you attend everything, um, and that's not enough. We as parents, we as grandparents, cannot put the discipleship of our families on someone else all the time. They're there to supplement what we're doing at our houses. They're not there to carry the weight of that. There's no way. They don't see them enough. Um, they're not with them enough. It's our job to come alongside and to support and do what we're supposed to do at home. Um, it will get done. The discipleship is going to get done, but it's going to get done by the TV, and it's going to get done by YouTube, and it's going to get done by friends at school. The educational system will even disciple your children, but they're going to look more like the world than Jesus if we don't take some responsibility and get something done. Luke 22, 4, 24 says, well, it, we look at the disciples, and it, at the table, a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. Now, most of you have uh, had children or still have children at home, and um, have you ever had a fight break out at the table? Please tell me we're not the only ones. You know, when we were getting Abigail, the social worker was coming to check us out, and the boys broke out in a, I don't know if they've ever had a fist fight, but they broke out in a fist fight in the back, and I was like, what are we doing? We're being observed today, but the disciples were there with Jesus eating and they broke out in a dispute um, and so it makes me feel like I might be normal and Jesus had to deal with that sometimes meals aren't just these pleasant places with sweet mannerly kids around the table um, my friend Christy Hudson has four boys and she uh, their family was very diligent they, they're some of the ones that Daniel and I look to for models for this kind of thing and they were talking to us about their family quiet time and devotions and that kind of thing. And uh, she said um, her kids just broke out in an argument. And they were trying to eat. They were trying to do their devotions. And she said, I just stood up and pounded the table and said, your word will not return void. And, um, you know, and I thought, yes, this is so true. And so Jesus reminded them at the table. We have to teach at the table. He, we take a moment to remind them that they're not like everyone else. The table becomes a place to speak into their lives. You know, Satan is wanting to destroy our families. That's a goal. I mean, I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, if he can take out one, it falls along the line, and it takes a while to recover. And sometimes the cycle's broken, but it's a huge setback for our culture, for our country, for Christians. And so um, Satan wants to destroy our families, but the dinner table is a place to remind them of who they are that they're going to mess up, but God still invites them back, that he's got bigger plans for their life, that God is going to bring them through whatever they're facing. Um, the good news is the dinner table isn't a reflection of our behavior. If we will come to the table, we will be fed. Um, today, we are to make our table spiritual, a place, and I challenge you today to just think of some things that you can do, do differently. Um, lead your family in that way. Um, make his table spiritual. In Luke chapter 7, there we find Jesus eating dinner in the home of a Pharisee. This promiscuous woman comes in uninvited, and she begins to weep and wash his feet. And according to the cultural rules of that day, uh, if anyone wasn't a Pharisee, they were supposed to stand on the outside edges and not talk, not eat. It was just for that group. But she ignored those rules that day. 
And she made her way straight to Jesus. And in verse 39, they thought Jesus didn't know. They just thought Jesus didn't know about her reputation, her past, her story, her failures. Or any of you from a small town? You know, if you're from a small town, everyone knows all of your business, right? And um, Jesus knew. And what he was doing that day was he was making the table a place of open invitation, a table of the Pharisee that was exclusive and judgmental, um, became a place of grace and a place of mercy. I hope our table is that today. In Luke 14, Jesus tells the story of a great feast. And everyone, he sent out for them and everyone didn't come. And so he sent back again just to gather up more. And the servant came back and said, there's still room to be sent out again. And so he sent them back, and he basically was just saying, look, there's place settings available. You go until it's full. Forest Hill has place settings available today. Do you believe that? We're not full. There's people out around us that need us. And um, Jesus is setting the table, and we just have to invite them in. God's vision for the table is not just that it is open to people who are already here, but to people that aren't. Jesus is saying, bring in the poor the lame, the crippled, the blind, people who are not like us. Everyone at Jesus' table didn't look just alike. Maybe that should be a heart check for us today. Does everyone at our table always look just like us? Maybe we need to invite someone in to our home. Sometimes the first step to them getting to God's house is just an invitation to our house. Maybe you have a coworker who you just need to slowly love on, and who knows what a pot roast could do for them. Um, God's vision for the table isn't that it looks just like ours. Everyone at Jesus' table didn't just look, look just alike. But it says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will share a meal with them. As the woman experienced in Luke 7, what's on the menu today is mercy and grace and forgiveness and love. And that's what he's cooking. That's what he's offering for us today. We should be out saying, get to the table. Our table is not God's table today if we have to clean them up before we receive them in. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you thankful? That while we were yet sinners, we didn't have to be clean. We didn't have to look just right. But while we were yet sinners, Jesus invited us to the table. Would you stand with me today? Have you come to the table of God? You know, sometimes pastor preaches and you can feel it. You can feel it. But you know, God is still offering you that meal. He's offering you grace and mercy and forgiveness. Maybe you've got a difficult situation today and you need to be reminded of who is at the table with you. Maybe you're walking through the valley today of the shadow of death, but we can trust the cook in our life. He's with us and he prepares a table and he walks with us today. Can I pray for you today? Father, I thank you, Lord, for the people among us today that I love so dearly. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just walk through the pews of this place. Lord, there are those here today, Lord, that need your grace and they need your mercy, that you're so faithful to serve us. Father, there are those here today, Lord, who are, who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And Lord, they need to be reminded 
that you're there. Lord, that we may taste a bitter ingredient. We may see something on the table that we don't like. But God, you're present with us. You will walk with us. You're going to sit at the table with us, Lord. Lord, I pray for our families in the church today. Lord, that we may not be as diligent to fight the battle of eating at the table together. Lord, our culture, I think, is created in such a way that pulls us apart from each other into busyness. But Lord, I pray that we will make it a focus in our life. Lord, if it's some meals are good and some meals are not, or some meals are, are well done and some are just a sandwich, Lord, that we will just take the time to make the table a place of discipleship in our home, of focusing on the people in front of us, showing them how much we care. Lord, because I believe that when we do that, Lord, that's a place, Lord, that you meet us there. Lord, that you honor that. Lord, I, I believe that with all of my heart. Lord, convict our hearts and help us. Lord, help us to get back to the old path. The path, Lord, that raises disciples who wanna love you. Who are we, Lord, if we've created kids who are just in church, but they're not in Christ? Lord, help us. Forgive us for neglect. Forgive us, Lord, for busyness, and help us, Lord, to overcome fatigue. And Lord, just to get it right, we only get one chance, Lord. Give us your grace today. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the blessings that you've given us that we've yet to say thankful, be thankful for. Lord, so many things, Lord. Some of us have even prayed prayers for things and you've given them to us and we forgot to say thank you. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you today, Father. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you today. We thank you today. Chad's going to lead us, and we're going to close. If you've got something today that you need prayer for, if grace and mercy are on the table today and you need Jesus, he's here. He's here with the table open for you. If there are things on your plate today that seem bitter and you want to lift them up before the Lord, we want to pray with you today. We want to pray with you today. Chad, would you lead us? Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at the Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.